church family, how you doing? And uh, as mentioned earlier, my name is Marcel Hoss. I'm honored to be able to speak God's word this morning. And uh, it was so encouraging to see a new campus student, new member of the church family here. And uh, she proves that uh, what Gabe said earlier, earlier is correct, that we do not all have the same interests. <laughs> she said she was a Dodgers and Raiders fan. And there are many of us who are not Dodgers and Raiders fans. In fact, we're in Orange County, so hopefully, Lord willing, we are uh, Anaheim Angels fans, or excuse me, uh, it's the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Actually, I think they took off even that part. And so, uh, that, that proves that in Christ we can get along. Amen. Even the Raiders part. You know what I'm saying? And so it's good to be together. Thank you. I know several of you uh, texted me last week wondering if I was okay. I knew it was mentioned that I was sick and was unable to uh, to be here uh, last week there. And thank you so much. I am fine. I am alive. And I uh, appreciate all of that. But it was great to be able to worship with everyone online. and want to acknowledge those who are worshiping online here with us today. So grateful to have you join us. And uh, so encouraging to see uh, two of the, uh, the college students preach God's word last week, wasn't it? And invest in the kingdom and invest in the mission. And so, so encouraging and so grateful that we have a church where we believe in investing in the youth. And uh, we believe in investing in our students, we believe in investing in our college students, and we believe that not only are they the future, but the future is now. Amen? And so as mentioned, they are starting their week, uh, starting tomorrow, their, uh, their semester here. So we want to be praying for our college students that they will go to class. They will actually do the work in their class. I don't get a lot of amens from the college students when I mention that part. But that God will use them to have an impact. I know I was converted to Christ in my college years. And so I know that God has a plan for so many of them, but also many of their classmates. And so let's be praying for our college students this week. Amen. Amen. All right. So I want to do a little uh, word association game right now. Is that okay? Can we do that? Yeah. All right. So. Here's how it's going to work here. Basically, I want you to share. You can share out loud. You can also share with the person right next to you. What's the first thing that comes to mind as you see these words? All right? You guys with me here? All right. So, here we go. First one, summer. Vacation. Some people think hot. Okay. All right. Fun. Beach. Whatever it is. Okay. All right. Next one here. Hope. What, what, what was that? We got some laughs over here. What did somebody say? So there you go. All right. All right. Here we go. Another one here. Homework. That one didn't seem to be as encouraging as the last two. So some, sorry. Sorry. I know this is already discouraging some people. They're thinking, oh, man, I haven't done my homework. All right. So there you go. All right. I know some of our high school students have already started. G high students have mentioned. All right. Here we go. Food. Somebody say yummy. That's what it is. First thing you think of, yummy. Probably shouldn't have mentioned food because you're probably already thinking about 
talk you to food right now. You're going to hear nothing else that I said. <laughs> Preacher's mistake. Never mention food in your sermon. All right? Another one here. Construction. All right. We have build. All kind of different things. All right? Now, here's what I want you to do. This one, I want you to go ahead and discuss with the two or three people that you are sitting next to. Okay? All right? This next one, I want you to share with the two or three people sitting next to you. And that is grace. Alright, so go ahead and take 30, 45 seconds and share what's the first thing that comes to mind when you hear or think of the word grace. And please, online, go ahead and write in the chat. Please write in the chat what comes to mind when you think of the word grace. about grace. Alright, so let's go ahead and get a couple people to share what came to mind when you think of the word grace. Yes. Clean slates. Everyone, this is uh, Jason Call. Him and his wife Wendy are members of our church over in the Los Angeles area in the Lifeway region of our church here. They're visiting here with us. With their son. Come on, guys. What's happening? Alright, and so, uh, here we go. Alright, Will. Patience and forgiveness. All right, I saw someone in the back. Is that Stacy? Yeah. I didn't hear the first part, but a gift that you don't deserve. Yeah. What was the first word that you said? Unearned. Unearned gift. Okay, awesome. All right, let's go this side. Uh, Mr. Mr. Barber. Second chance. Is that Luke? Go ahead, Luke. Unconditional forgiveness. All right, there you go. So a lot of things come to mind. It depends maybe uh, where we're at in our faith, how we're doing. A lot of things can come to mind when we think of the word grace. And I believe that all those things are good and should happen. Here's what I want to encourage So after we study here today. I believe that some of the things that should come to mind quickly when we think of grace is praise for God. One of the words that should come out of our mouth when we think of grace is the word hallelujah. Hallelujah means to praise the Lord. And so when we think about grace, and I, I believe here that as we dig into God's word here today, what will come to mind and what should eventually, and I believe quickly, should come to our mind, those who are in Christ should be hallelujah. There should be quick to be praised upon the tip of our tongues when we think of grace. In fact, the title of the lesson here today is Hallelujah for His Grace. Hallelujah for His Grace. And in fact, a couple of times here throughout the sermon, I'm going to say Hallelujah. Here's what I want you to reply with. For His Grace. Alright, you guys with me here? Let's go ahead and do a practice. Alright, Hallelujah. For His Grace. Okay, Hallelujah. For His Grace. Alright, let's go ahead and let's pray right now. God, we thank you so much for this chance to dig into the scriptures. Thank you for this, not just concept, but this reality of grace. Father, I know I've been struck by this. God, I know I've been inspired. I've been convicted. Father, and I, 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 I've been impressed and in awe of the grace that you provide. I pray right now, God, that your message is communicated. Father, that wherever we're at in our faith, we hear the message we need to hear today so that we can not only grow in grace, we can understand it, but we can embrace and live in your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
You know, grace is a topic or a word that is mentioned throughout Scripture. And in fact, it's, it's, it's in the Bible at least uh, over 120 times. Not to mention the times in which it speaks about God is gracious. And in fact, in, in the book of Psalms, which is basically like poetry that, that really reveals how we can have an intimate, personal relationship with God, it says at least five times how God is gracious. And so this idea and topic is weaved in throughout the whole scripture, and you can argue that God's message to us is a message of grace. And there was something that stuck out to me the other day as I was reading and I was studying out this topic of grace. And it was over in the book of Colossians in chapter 1. And Paul's writing to this church that, uh, that he's actually apparently never met. But he's heard of their faith. He's heard how they're growing in their faith. How the message of Jesus, the gospel, the good news of Jesus is spreading in that area and in the surrounding areas. And he says something so profound right here in chapter 1 and verse 6. It says, in the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. I read that and just stopped. I stopped in my tracks. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I've read this passage many times, but that has never stood out to me. He says, hey, you guys, the way the message is going is awesome, but just like you guys... They understand grace. And I thought, wow. Do I understand grace? Let me ask you, do you understand grace? You see, grace is obviously a huge topic, but grace is multifaceted, and it's something that we won't be able to fully capture today, but it's something when we understand His grace. Because you and I can misunderstand His grace. And in fact, that's done a whole lot. See, we can cheapen God's grace. We can devalue God's grace. We can limit God's grace. We can abuse God's grace. But that's out of, I believe, a misunderstanding of grace. So I want to ask you, do you understand Grace. And so let's go ahead and let's break this down. Church, are you with me here? So what is grace? It's all the things that you guys mentioned. It's basically getting something you do not deserve. That's why many times it's, 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 it's talked about as a gift. Because you can't earn grace because therefore that would negate grace. That means you earned it. That means it was done by your merits. And so some have described it as God's unmerited kindness, goodness, and favor. That's what grace is. It's Him giving and bestowing and generously sharing, though you did not earn and deserve it. And in fact, some have given it an acronym that it's God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. You see, we can enjoy, those of us who are in Christ, that's the key. Those of us who are in Christ, we can enjoy an intimate, eternal relationship with God because of what Christ did on the cross. So we enjoy the riches. We, we, we live in a world of spiritual blessings because of what Christ 
did in paying the price for you and me. So let's review a couple things here, again, about this idea of grace. Let's go over to Romans chapter 3. Church, are you still with me here? You see, Jesus paid the price for us to be forgiven. He paid the price for us to receive God's blessings upon the cross. And every single one of us needs forgiveness and grace. In fact, this is what the scripture says. It says, for all have sinned. How many have sinned? All. all. That means to the person that's your right, they have sinned. And some of you are like, I know they sinned. They sinned about 30 minutes ago. <laughs> but it says, all have sinned. You, your mommy, your auntie, your cousin, all of them have sinned. But mom has sinned. You know your mom has sinned. What about my grandma? You know your grandma has sinned. All have sinned. And then it says, what? Falling short of the glory of God. So all that sin falls short of the glory of God, and yet all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. This scripture reveals that you and I can never, ever be good enough to enter into the gates of heaven. You and I can never, ever do enough good things and good deeds that God will say, you know what, you've earned this. We cannot do enough good deeds to replace all the bad deeds in our life to say, you know what, now I've canceled out all the bad because of all the good that I've done. You see, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We have all missed the mark. Would you agree? You see, we've all fallen short. If we said, hey, in order to go to heaven, you have to touch the top of this ceiling, we're all in trouble, wouldn't we? Because not a soul in here can do that. So even though Kenny is 6'5", or whatever he is, and he jumps high, and he might jump higher than Derek. <laughs> video footage showed that Derek jumped, jumped higher than Kenny, right? So, sorry Kenny, I know that's a sore spot there, right? But anyhow, it doesn't matter how high each one of us gets, we will fall woefully short of touching the ceiling. So what do we need? We need some grace and some mercy, don't we? We need somehow, you know, somehow us being able to touch the top and see what Jesus did on the cross is he came down and then lifted us up and said, now you can be with the eternal Father. He said, you have been justified freely by his, what? Grace. This unmerited goodness, kindness, and favor that Christ bestows upon those who are in Christ, those who respond to his, his death and resurrection in the way that he has prescribed in Scripture. You see, now we have a right relationship and eternal life by his grace and the mercy of God. You see this, I, I want to share this analogy that I heard the other day about grace because it, 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 it just really resonated and I thought it would be great to share. So imagine you, uh, you own a home and you are unable to make your mortgage payments. And so here you are, you go into the bank, and you go and you talk to the, to the, uh, to, to, to the officer there who works for the bank there, and, and you say, hey, I, I can't afford to make my mortgage payments. And, 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 and the banker says, okay, you know what? All right, here's, let, let's figure out a plan for you. Okay, all right, so maybe you can refinance your house. Okay, what about if you, maybe you can get a second job. Maybe you can go ahead and sell some things that you have in order for you to be able to pay off this debt. And so you walk away encouraged because why? They, they want to work with you, right? However, do you still have a debt that you owe? You still do, right? So even though he showed you some sympathy, you still have a massive debt that you owe. Now let's say you go back in the next day. 
And you go back in, and the president of the bank comes up to you and says, Hey, I have some good news for you. Hey, after you left yesterday, a gentleman came in, paid off your mortgage debt, and then deposited in your account $12 million to meet your needs for the rest of your life. What'd you say? Some youth camp. 
and get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And so, I don't know about you, but for me, I can understand that. I can get that. I understand being saved by grace. But what I struggle with sometimes, and, and talking to many of you, what I know is, I'm not the only one of this, but sometimes it's not understanding we're saved by grace, but it's understanding that we remain saved by grace. You get what I'm saying? You see, and this is this misunderstanding of God's grace at work in our minds and in our hearts. And so this is why it's so important that we understand the riches of God's grace. Let's go on over to Ephesians chapter 1. Church, are you still with me? See, this again is very helpful because we'll be able to, to debunk some, 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 some incorrect, some stinking thinking here about God's grace, about li limiting or, or abusing God's grace. When we understand the riches, Ephesians 1, chapter 7, this is Paul, who, who was a Christian leader, and he's writing to this church in the area of Ephesus, and he says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Did you catch that? He, said, he says, all right, look, God's grace is rich. So whatever comes to mind, think of rich, think of in abundance, right, a lot. So we know his grace is rich, it, 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 it's huge, it's a huge amount. But yet he says, he lavished it on you. You know, most of you guys know I like barbecue. And I like barbecue sauce. And I love it when the chef lavishes the ribs with some barbecue. I don't like it when you sprinkle a little bit of, of sauce on the ribs. You get what I'm saying here? It's got to be... Finger looking good for me. You see, God didn't go ahead and sprinkle a little bit of grace on you on the day you were baptized. It says he lavished you. It says he covers you. And this isn't just a one-time thing. This is something that moves forward. Let's go on to Ephesians chapter 2. Are you with me here? All right, let's, let, let, let's see some more about this here. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But because of his great love for us, so we know this comes from a place of love, God, who is what? Rich in mercy that has not given us what we deserve, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable you can't even compare it. The incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. Again, what are we seeing here? We're seeing the, the, the magnitude of God's riches of grace. For those who are in Christ, we get a chance to explore, yet we get a chance to live in this reality. That we are lavished in a richness of God's grace. And then this scripture here in Hebrews chapter 10 stood out to me. We don't have a chance to talk about everything that leads up to this verse here. But he's talking about Jesus here. And he says, and by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Meaning Jesus doesn't have to keep going to the cross. So this sacrifice was once for all. So again, it applies not only for those who would enter God's 
grace, but those who would remain in God's grace. That we would have this grace until the day in which Jesus returns. You see, in Christ, well, let, let's do this. Give me You see, before we thought, oh, if I mess up, 
sprinkle me with grace. He has me swimming in the ocean full of grace. We're not walking down a narrow path of grace. We're walking on a 91 freeway east and west combined grace. You see, God's grace is rich. It's mass, it's vast, it's massive. The magnitude you and I cannot fully comprehend because even this is limited. Now, yes, we can go ahead and choose to willfully disobey and then we can decide on our own, I'm going to reject God's grace. Yes, we can do that. But those who understand God's grace won't make a decision like that. This is why it's important for you and I to understand God's grace. You see, because what this is like is different than living like this. I better not, better not do something to get out of here, but we can live with such faith, confidence, and security. So I ask you, do you understand God's grace? What would our lives be like if we understood, better yet, if we lived in God's grace? Would that have an impact upon your daily life? Do you think that might change your attitude a little bit? Might it have an impact on your peace in your day? Do you think it might give you some security in your faith? You see, we need to pray to understand grace more. And then most of all, we need to embrace and live in this reality. Church, are you with me here? And I will say this because there's another part of this misunderstanding of grace, and that's abusing grace. But see, here's the thing. I want you to write this down here. You see, you won't stay in the same place if you understand His grace. You see, you won't stay in the same place if you understand His grace. If you mess up, if you do something that is outside of God's will, if you understood His grace, then you won't stay in that same position or continue to be in that same position going forward. You see, the scripture is really powerful. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. It says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It's What's that being referring to? The grace of God. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. What does that say? You see, when you understand grace, it's going to have an impact and effect upon your life. What's that effect that it should have? Well, it should lead us to say no to sin, right? It's going to lead us to therefore make choices to be aligned with God's will and make choices that will lead to holiness and righteousness. You see, when we understand God's grace, when we understand what we're swimming in, what we're walking in, when we do something outside of God's will, outside of the character of Christ, we won't just go, I'm saying my grace is all good, I don't got to do a thing. No, we'll be inspired to repent. We'll be inspired to do something different. You see, let's say, uh, let's say you went, let's say you, you heard the person next to you. Let's say you actually went for no reason, no good reason, and you slapped the person next to you. 
Now some of y'all are like, man, I'm glad he gave me that chance to do that right now. <laughs> but let's say you slapped him, right? And then you said something mean to them. But then the person came back after and you guys were able to talk and they forgave you. How would you feel? You feel good, thank you for forgiving. Now here's what it will prompt you to do. Here's what God expects and the way he's wired us is that, and the expectation has for us, is that when you've been forgiven of something, you are no longer inspired to want to do that same thing again. So for example, if you went in and you were forgiven of a, this atrocity you did to your neighbor there, you wouldn't go, I'm going to do it again tomorrow so he can forgive me again. You would think, no, in fact, I'm going to treat them with respect and honor. In fact, I, I, I want to show and prove that I really had changed because of the grace that they had given me. Not to earn the grace, but because of the grace. You see, when you understand God's grace, there's no way you can stay in the same place or you went to church. This is why it's important for you and I to understand His grace. So that there's no way we can abuse it because we're motivated to live holy, godly life because of the grace we've received. And we say no to sin. Hey, if I've been forgiven for, for living a life in which I'm drinking and, and out of control and I'm smoking, I'm vaping and doing all these different things, then when I've been forgiven, there's no way I'm going to go and start vaping and smoking and drinking again because I'm inspired to live a life that honors God. This is why we embrace His grace and live in His reality. And so, again, if you stay in the same place, you can... I mean, you won't stay in the same place if you understand His grace. Brothers and sisters, we are in an ocean of grace. For those who have repented and been baptized. And so again, I know for some of us in here, especially those who grew up in the church, we get nervous about, well, well what if I am not perfect before or after I get baptized? God knows you're not perfect and never will be perfect. So there's no fear in living a life in faith because we know, hey, when I mess up, grace is there, but I'm going to respond to His grace. And so therefore, it gives security in our faith. It gives hope and peace and more. So let's come to a close here. All right, church, you're still with me here. Here's some action steps here this week. First off, if you're visiting here with us, I want to encourage you to step. Study the Bible out today with someone to learn more about the grace of God. More about the grace that He is offering to you for your salvation. And for the rest of us, I want to encourage you to take some time this week to reflect. Reflect on the grace that God has given you in your life. Just do that this week. Pick a day, pick a time. You can do it every day. But go ahead and just sit back and reflect upon God's grace. And I that you and I, when we reflect upon it, we'll remember, we'll be in all of it, it will lead to praise, and we will say hallelujah. We'll say what? Hallelujah for His grace. Right now we're going to take communion. This is the time where we remember Jesus' sacrifice for our sins. The emblem represented body and blood that was spilled and sacrificed on the cross. And then again, we're going to close out with chapter 2 of uh, the book of Titus and verse 11. It says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessing of the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us, that means to buy back, to redeem us from all 
wickedness, not just some, not just momentary, not just the past, but from all wickedness, and to purify. So we were, we were polluted, now we're clean. We were polluted, stained, but now we're purified. For himself, a people that are very own, eager to do what is good. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace. We are at all, we are humbled, but we are grateful. God, I know today did not do justice to your grace. It's only a snapshot of the riches of your grace. God, we can, it, there's a reason why grace is lifted and offered and suggested so many times in Scripture. But God, I pray, just as you have motivated me, God, I pray that we can start to understand your grace. God, that it will alleviate fear, insecurity, incorrect thinking. God, that we will be able to have our burdens lifted upon it, lifted off of us and have the yoke that Jesus provides upon us. We thank you that we can enjoy the lavishing of your grace upon us, the riches of your mercy, your kindness, your goodness, God, because we did not deserve it, but yet you still gave it to us. While we were disobedient, you were initiating with us. God, we're in all of that. And we know that that price that was paid was, was a serious one. God, we know it wasn't cheap in which we can enter your grace. We know that Jesus was mocked, was ridiculed, was spit upon, was beaten, bruised, and crucified. And God, that is the price that I, I could not pay or any other human being could, but only the perfect and holy Jesus could. And so we say, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he can die and raised again. Thank you that we can respond with dying to our sin, being buried in the waters of baptism and raised again to a new life and therefore experience the reality of your grace. Thank you that we do not owe you anymore. Our debt has been paid, and not only that, but then you give us more than we can ever ask or imagine. God, again, we are humbled. We are grateful. We are stirred. We are moved. We are compelled. We are inspired. And God, we want to praise you. We want to say hallelujah. Praise your name. Praise you for your goodness. Praise you for your love. As it says in scripture, out of your love. God, we thank you for this chance to participate in communion, to remember the sacrifice, and to remember the victory that was for all mankind and that we can enjoy and experience today. In Jesus' name.